Hello, Molo, Sawona, Jumbo, and welcome to Every Nation Durban. We are part of a global family of churches with the purpose to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. You can find us in big cities like London, New York, Paris, and Joburg. You can also find us in nations like Bangladesh, Botswana, China, and even Hawaii. In Durban, we have a local vision of being a healthy church that starts other healthy churches. Our mission is reach, disciple, impact. We want to reach every person, every campus, and every nation. Join this mission to honor God and advance His kingdom. Good morning, everybody. How are you all doing? Aren't we so blessed we don't have load shedding yet in this building? Everybody was interceding at 9. At uh, What time? At 8. We had the generator ready, extensions were getting laid out, and then we're like watching the clock and seeing who's got faith here. <laughs> and so we did not have any power cut. So that's great. That's awesome. Uh, must be nice being a South African today. Nah? You know, who's got the, the tickets to Qatar checked out? I'm like, eh, no, which one do I stay at? <laughs> well, for those of you that have lost faith, Yay of little faith. Bafana Bafana won. And they're on top of their group. <laughs> Yay! And it's looking good. So, yeah. We trust and hope that they will actually make it this time around. But, yeah. Uh, so, we've been doing a series called um, Defined By. And, um, you know, just not really based, but... Reflecting from uh, Matthew 5, verse 13, where Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, that uh, we are the light of the world. That not, not that we are the light of the world. That we are meant to be the light unto the world. That we are meant to live lives that are exemplary, that add flavor to the world, that uh, make a difference in people and people's lives. And, um, and the key things of how we could do that is... We're going to look at, we, we have been looking at several character traits that as Christians we should embrace in order for us to be a difference into the world, to be a light and to be also to add flavor. So we're looking at the things that should define us, not the things that shouldn't define us, but the things that should define us exactly. So yeah, and last week I kicked, all, kicked us off with being defined by love. And um, that regardless of what is happening in the world, regardless of who we are offended at, angry at, who we want to cancel or uncancel, we should be defined by love constantly, regardless of our mood, our situation, that love is our key motive and should be our key motives constantly all the time. So today uh, I'm going to talk about being defined by faithfulness. That's been kind of our theme for this morning, is being defined by faithfulness. And um, uh, faithfulness is such a, it feels like one of those old school type of values, you know? Like chivalry, honor, and bravery, all of those things. It feels like old school. Nowadays, it's not something that we hardly talk about, but we expect it, but we don't talk about it. In an extent that we, in our vocab, in our social, in our, in our society, we kind of 
you know, expect people not to be faithful. We say things like, we, you shouldn't trust anyone, the, don't trust anyone these days, eh? Or you can't trust anyone these days. Or for people, for people that enter into relationships, the common thing is, but thou heard her. <laughs> Without anything, just like, you know, expecting that unfaithfulness is going to happen because that's how life is and that's how we've accepted it. In fact, we've gone to the extent that we're kind of trying to redefine certain things in order to fit our narrative of lack of faithfulness. Um, I was looking at this other uh, article where... Was it an article? Well, a lot of people made a lot of noise about it where a famous celebrity in the US... I'm not sure if he's famous still. He used to be famous. He said uh, monogamy is a Eurocentric construct. That it is not an African thing to be monogamous. That we try to move the goalpost, you know, redefine faithfulness. And in so many ways that people try to redefine faithfulness and all of that. And the fact that people expect faithfulness but don't get it has actually created a whole TV industry in South Africa. If you haven't realized it, it has created a whole TV industry. We are Jola 99. Uh, what was it? Pay back the money. Stina. Nagwetu. All those sort of shows that, you know, we've been creating in the world. What is happening is we, people enter into relationships, whether it's financial for pay back the money. And uh, most of the time it's, uh, you know, intimate relationships. And they expect faithfulness, but their trust gets broken. And it makes for riveting television. The fact that we love watching these shows is a story for another day, but I'm just going to move on right there and then. I'm not saying anything about that. If you watch Jola 99, I'm not saying anything about you, but like, mm, yeah, okay, Jesus needs your help. <laughs> and uh, for us as Christians, faithfulness is not really an option. It's not like something that we can pick up or live, live along the way. It is central, it is core to who we are as Christians. In Matthew 5, Jesus tells a parable of, uh, of the talents. Not about like talent like essay has got talent, but a talent is in an investment type of situation. Where he, there's this master who gives um, four, yeah, is it four, four servants uh, different amounts in terms of finances to take care of, the, to, to, to handle over time. And he goes away and he expects them to do something with those finances. And then when he comes back, he expects a return of his investment. When he comes back, uh, the other guys have, you know, given due diligence. They did not, they did not spend it all on Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> they diversified the portfolio, <laughs> spent it on Amazon and all of that. And they got a return. And the other guy was like, ish, no, I, I, let me put it in a, eat, no, uh, who's got the lowest interest rates? Let me put it in an F and B savings account. <laughs> Just put it there and let it wait until when he comes back, I'm going to give back his money. And, um, and one of the key things and the key aspects of that scripture, and we love to quote this part in funeral, in funerals, regardless of how well the person was or how well did they live their life, but we love to quote this part. It's in verse, uh, uh, where is it? Verse 23, right? It says, that part that says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with the little and I will make you a ruler of much. 
Well done, my good and faithful servant. I feel like every single one of us as Christians, we long to hear those words. That when we enter, when we get reunited with, uh, with, with, with God, that we get to hear those words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Now the tricky bit to this whole situation is, in order for us to be recognized as faithful servants, we need to be faithful servants. You're not going to get a certificate of participation when it comes to the faithful servant game. It's not that you showed up. That's all that matters. You must be a faithful servant. You know, our Christian journey is, is sort of like marriage. Disclaimer, I don't know much about marriage, but I've been reading the packaging, so trying to figure out this thing works. <laughs> and... Uh, the, the thing about marriage is that uh, when two people make their vows and they say their I do's, they haven't proven that they're faithful yet. They haven't proven that they're loving yet. That they are patient. Uh, prov- what's First uh, Corinthians 13? Help me out. Love is patient, kind, long-suffering. It's not boast. I haven't been to a wedding in a long time. <laughs> All those other character traits that we're expecting from love. They, don't, they haven't proven themselves to be fully that before they get married. But they stand before an altar and make a vow to love and to honor, to cherish and to be faithful and rich for rich or for poor till death do them part. And after that whole time, uh, that, that whole ceremony, then they have to spend the whole life living out that vow that they made there. Sort of like the same thing with us as Christians is that we come before God and says, Here I am, Lord. I'd like to follow you as my Lord and Savior. That's your vow. Now, after that, you have to a whole entire lifetime to be a good and faithful servant. With what exactly? With everything that God has given you. You know, one of the most hardest and most beautiful but yet difficult scriptures is in... in, uh, Hebrews, where it says every good and perfect gift comes from uh, God who is above. That everything good and perfect in your life comes from God. If you feel like you have nothing, that God is not being fair to you, look around. Anything good and perfect, even the weather, I don't know. The fact that you have network and you don't, <laughs> you, you, in your area, you, don't, you, you get uh, 3G instead of edge. That is a good and perfect gift that comes from God who is above. Everything that we have. All of it. Conke comes from God. Now, since it has been given by God, therefore God has an expectation on you to do something with it. It is a deposit that God has made into your life that you need to be faithful with, that you need to steward, that you need to increase. Do not put it in a low interest saving account of life just njay. But you need to invest it in a way that you multiply every single good and perfect gift that God has given you. Because that what it means to be faithful is that we steward what God has given us. Not to just to show up. Not to sign up for a team or ministry. And you're like, I'm in the, I'm in the WhatsApp group. Connect group, I'm there in the WhatsApp group. Check me. You can find me. But do you attend? Do you show up to the things that you've committed yourself to? One of the hardest scriptures ever for me personally as a human being is found in Matthew 5 verse 34. When Jesus says, uh, But I tell you, 
do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by, or by the earth, for it is footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the kings. And do not swear by the hair, uh, by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. How much, uh, how much is your word worth? I think parents, parents know this like more than most of us who don't have children because sometimes parents make little empty promises to their kids to get them to keep quiet or go to sleep or something. And then the kids remember that promise and they hold them to it and it's like, ish. Did I say I'm going to take you to the beach? Ooh, ooh, all sorts of stuff. And with every single one of us, how much is our word worth? Because if our word is not worth much, we lose credibility. Like people won't listen to you, won't pay attention to you. It doesn't matter how big your joyous celebration concert ticket collection is or how many Hillsong albums you own. You might even follow Joel on Instagram or how many pastors you are friends with or you've met or you follow or you keep their teachings and all of that. But if you don't have credibility, it's worthless. And credibility is important for us, as Jesus has called you to be salt, salt and light, it is important. Because you can't be salt and light without credibility. Never, ever, ever will you find a person more annoying than a hypocrite. Who claims to be doing this, but is do, actually doing that. Who just agrees. See, the thing is, you know, with all of us here, we're, we're, we're Christian, right? We have the Holy Spirit, so we kind of behave and we try to act all nice. But people out there in the world, if you're a hypocrite, they don't care. They will cancel you. They'll ignore you. They will not pay attention to you. Quite simply like that. Credibility is important. And, you know, as also with us as Christians, work ethic is important. Work ethic is spiritual. Sometimes we think, let me put this, in, uh, um, I find put this in a better way. Sometimes we overemphasize God's faithfulness and favor over us, over our commitment to being faithful to the things that we've committed ourselves to. That I know I'm just going to show up and Lord, I expect you to do the most. God does not want you to wing it. Winging it is unspiritual. It can be spontaneous and it can work well for you, but it has very short legs. Preparation, consistency, showing up, doing the work, follow through. It is spiritual. It is essential. I found myself the other day, um, I was very tired and we were doing something here at church. And... Um, Sandile was being very pedantic about one tiny thing. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm so tired. I didn't sleep well. Can we go, can we go home now? And I don't know why Sandile is just being so OTT about this. It's just church. 
And I ended up thinking to myself, did I just say that? It's just church. Where, okay, you know, don't take it too seriously. It's just church. Just do the bare minimum, man. I mean, everybody knows we're trying. We're not professionals out here. This is not what, you know, just do the bare minimum. It's just church. But the truth is, am I being faithful with what God has given me? Am I being faithful with this responsibility that I'm being called to? Not that I'm working for salvation, that I'm working to earn favor, but I am being, am I being faithful with what I have committed myself to? Alright. I think it's quite simple. Everybody, we can go home now and just be faithful. Sermon over. <laughs> okay. But, uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm not done. Uh, I have two guys who will help us understand why is faithfulness so hard and also how to overcome it. I have two guys. They're found in the Bible and they're going to help us understand this. The first one is um, Habakkuk. Now, Habakkuk is a prophet uh, that uh, uh, lived in Israel during the time of the Assyrian rule. And the Assyrians were assaulting Israel. And apart from the traditional prophets, you know, when you read the prophets, there's this normal narrative that God speaks to this person. Go tell them that they are going to perish. They're doing something wrong. This person goes to the, to the, to the Israelites and says, you're going to die. I'm warning you. Last warning. They don't listen. He goes back to God. God, they don't listen to me. And he goes back. God tells them, go tell them again. It's back and forth. But with Habakkuk, it's different. That Habakkuk is not doing a back and forth between God and man. Habakkuk turns around and he says, God, uh-uh. Uh, in Habakkuk, verse 1, it says, um, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, uh, the prophet that Habakkuk, the prophet, received. How long... Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Uh, why do you make me look, uh, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me, and there, and uh, there is theft and conflict abound. Therefore, the law is, uh, the, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The, the wicked hem, hem in the righteous uh, so that justice is perverted. So Habakkuk is complaining to God and he's saying, you know what God, I'm tired of looking at life around here. It's just so unjust. It's, it's terrible. Justice is, not, justice is getting perverted. The situ- things are not going right. Life is not right. If I were to ever, um, if I were to ever put Habakkuk's complaint towards God in a picture, I would probably use this meme here. If you have seen it, this lady here, it says in the top, uh, "God to me, these weapons uh, look like uh, uh, these weapons look really close to prospering." <laughs> yeah, just they look really close to prospering. That's what Habakkuk is saying. Like, God, you're really cutting it fine here. Situation is not right. Things are not happening how I expected them. It's not good. Whatever I'm feeling. So Habakkuk is rattled with, is, is like engulfed and, and, and is um, gripped by feelings of isolation, 
where he just feels like, you know when you feel like you're alone, that God is not answering? God, where are you? Like, it's rough out here. You can't see that it's bad. We feel like God is silent. And uh, you, you even question the things that you're holding on to. Are they worth it? Is this really, what, is what I'm doing even worth it? You know, like isolation by myself. No one seems to agree with me. I'm just a loner here. And that's the thing that, ha- that, that is gripping Habakkuk. If you feel like that, uh, often when we feel like that, it's hard to hold on to being faithful. When you feel like you're the only one who cares. When you feel like your efforts are never recognized. When you feel like, you know, God is not listening, justice is not being, is not happening. Being faithful becomes very, very hard. So, there's another guy that we're going to look at. Uh, his name is Asaph or Asafa, depending on the type of school uniform that you used to wear. It's okay, you can pronounce it however. <laughs> So, Psalm 73, uh, we're going to like spend quite a lot of time in here. Uh, is there a mic here? My throat is really dry and I would like someone else to read it for me. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to do it. All right, so let's read uh, Psalm 73 verse 1. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet have almost slipped. I have nearly lost my foothold, for I envied um, the arrogant when I saw the, the prosperity of the wicked. They, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They, f- they are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human, uh, by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They, are, they clothe themselves with violence, for their, for their callous hearts uh, comes iniquity. Their evil imagination has no limit. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they, uh, they threaten uh, oppression. Their mouths, their, uh, their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongue take possession of the earth. Therefore, the people turn to them, and drink up water in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know everything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my, my hands in innocence. All, all day long I have been afflicted and every morning uh, brings new punishments. Pretty much what Asaph or Asapha is doing, he is going through the most. We are Goisha, thanks, Malu. He's actually even upset. He's very upset. And he's like looking at how the world is and how people are. That they're actually getting fat. You know. He's believing God and he's trusting God, but there are people out there who don't even care. And they're getting fat and their eyes are even like swelling up. They don't get sick. Like they go to groove all night long. No COVID. <laughs> what is wrong? 
They are proud. They're, they're very proud. They're arrogant. They don't respect anything. They just do things like that. And they keep getting rich on top of all of that. And he's getting really upset by all of these things. Someone once said, um, the gap between expectation and reality is called disappointment. And often I feel like that's how we find ourselves when it comes to our relationship with God. Is that there's an expectation, but there's a reality. And we often fall into this trap called disappointment. And I love the Bible and how, you know, people are very honest with God. They tell them, they tell them straight up, I'm disappointed. I'm mad. I'm upset. I'm all these things. But, oh, too much water. The anointing. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely the living water that Jesus asked for. It's <laughs> all right here. <laughs> So we fall into this trap of disappointment. But, you, you know, Asaph is honest with where he's at. It's like, in the world, we grew up, we grow up having these expectations and we grow up thinking certain things that if you work hard enough, you will earn more, you will prosper, you will have all sorts of things. If you eat right, you will be healthy. If you're nice... Then people will be nice back. You know, if you smile, they'll smile back. If you're kind, life will be kind. You know, this sort of like expectation that we have, it's really nice, but it's really twisted in a certain way. It it sets you up for failure. (laughs) I'm being honest. (laughs) And this is where Asa found himself, is in that situation where he's disappointed by what he was expecting and it's not happening. Surely I've kept myself clean in vain. Surely I've trusted in the Lord for my trusting in the Lord is for nothing. His promises are not coming to fruition. Like I'm chasing after things that are not happening. The people that are corrupt, they're getting everything. You know, the people that are, have morals that are easily adjustable, they're just getting married left, right and center. <laughs> All sorts of stuff. You're like, no, guys, this is not happening. What am I doing? Like, he's questioning, what is he doing? He's questioning all that he's holding on to. Why am I even holding on to what am I holding on to? You know, why am I even staying? I know your worth in all these situations. You're like, people, why am I not just following suit with what's happening all around me? Is the question that uh, Asa finds, finds himself asking. And when we find ourselves in that area of disappointment where our expectations are not met, then faithfulness becomes very hard because we start adjusting our theology. I don't know about you, but certain times in my life I feel like becoming a reformed theologist. It's just that the reformed theology is my own. You know, like when, did really God say we must do this? Or maybe his main intention is for us to be happy, right? So if I do this, then I will actually be in God's will because I'll be happy. You know, yeah, you know, find a way around. Did God say, you know, guys, this is how South Africa is. You know, he's put us here. Cold drink is like everyone is almost everyone's line item. 
So how am I going to get my license? Let me just put, the, you know, just like create your own theology and add scriptures to, to themselves, uh, add scriptures to that from the book of quotes that says, you know, just fix it. <laughs> Change this theology, make it work for you. Those are the things that make us lose credibility. Like there's this, there's this saying that says, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And I believe that the enemy wants to do that with our credibility. Chomp it away one bite at a time. Cold drink, bribe here and there, pirated music, you name it. It's the tiny little things. Tiny, tiny little things. Honestly, pirated music. You are a believer of Christ. You believe that, you know, stealing is wrong. And then your friend finds you and like you're playing a song and all of a sudden, webtrick.com. Where's your credibility now? <laughs> tiny, tiny little things that make us lose credibility to the point that people who don't believe, sometimes we lead people astray. Without you knowing, you're leading people astray because they look at your life and they think, I'll surely, surely I've kept myself pure and vain. Let me just join in. This is, you know, it's not that serious. It's not that serious, guys. So when we, when we lose our credibility, when we give the enemy a foothold, and we change our theology and we give way to all these sorts of things. We lose credibility. Tiny, tiny, tiny. You know, that's the road that leads to compromise. Tiny steps. So, let's continue with Asaph. So, in verse 18 he says, uh, Surely, this is him. Now he's changing, he's changing his mind. Where is it? Am I in the right place? No, it's verse 16. Uh, it says, When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destination. He's, not talk- he's talking about the people that are prospering in wicked, through wicked means. That he didn't get it. Why are they prospering so much? Until he entered the sanctuary of God. Today, if you don't remember anything that I've said, please remember one thing. Until I have entered the sanctuary of God. This is not talking about church. It's talking about entering into the presence of God. Because we can go through life in, in many different ways. And I feel like uh, this is what Asaph is going through. Is that we can go through life through looking at life through the world's perspective. This is what the world thinks. And then we can go through life like that. We can go through life in our own perspective. This is what I think. Or we can go through life looking at it through God's perspective. If we look, if we go through life in our own perspective, we'll burn out. We'll get a point where we're like, violence, oh Lord. This is too much. I can't handle it. 
Because we're looking at how, how much we can do, what we can carry, and how much we're able to do. And therefore we get to a point where it doesn't equate. And it becomes hard. If we, if we, if we become like what is happening to Asaph, where we are letting the world change our definition and change our understanding of things, then we are going to change our goalpost. And then we're going to follow what the world thinks. Because what the world wants is that to change, it wants to change our definition of success. As a Christian, your definition of success is different to the world's definition of success. So the measuring posts are not the same. You know, in America, they use a different system to us, the metric system, right? We measure things in meters, they measure them in feet. The average person in South Africa, they are 1.8, oh no, 1.75 meters tall. In America, the average person is uh, 5.6 feet tall. The most important things in those two denominations is that little thing at the end, feet and meters. Swap them around. Then you will have 1.78 feet tall. That is not very tall. Somewhere around here. And if you take it to the other end, then you have uh, five point what? Meters tall. 5.6 meters tall. It's higher than the roof of the ceiling. What's important is that that denomination at the end changes the measure of success. Not that um, there's this thing here that we like to do as Christians. And uh, if you read verse uh, v- verse 18 uh, of, of, of Psalm 32, it says, surely, pe- uh, surely your peace... Okay, I'm just going to paraphrase it because I've lost my place here. So what he says is like, this is their destination and this is their end. They will end in calamity. Their life will end in ruin. What they have is short, is short-term gain. But after a while, what's going to happen is their life will not end up being successful. There's this idea and this concept with us as Christians that we can look at the world and their success and their definition of success. And we can look at them with cynical eyes and be like, which sort of like compromises our lack of ambition. But the truth is, our measuring posts are not the same. We are all called to do similar things, but in a different way. If you're called to be a doctor, one person is called to be a doctor. That's it. For them to be a doctor, that's all. For you, you are called to be a doctor that is Christian. There is a little thing that changes your goalposts. You are not in feet, you are in meters. So don't measure yourself according to feet. And if you're called to be a student in this season, you're called to be a student that is Christian. So measure yourself according to that whole thing where you have put, where God has placed you as a Christian. Do not change the target because you're looking at the world and you're trying to measure yourself up against the wrong ruler. Is that we need to measure ourselves in the right perspective and understand what success is. And we can only get that if we enter into God's presence. If we spend time in God's presence to understand His perspective on life. To understand our calling and purpose. Success in God's eyes is not a number. It's not an address. Success in God's eyes is a fulfilled purpose. Is a fulfilled mandate. 
so regardless of how much your bank account is, regardless of where your address is or wherever you find yourself, that is not your measure of success. What has God called you to currently in this season? Are you being faithful where God has placed you right now? Don't let those numbers define who you are and define your mood and your outlook. My cousin one day made a joke and he says, when I'm broke, I don't even want to take a walk. Because like you get wrapped up in money and what money can afford. Not that money is a problem. Guys, like personally, I don't have a problem with money and rich people. But if that's solely the gain and the aim is to just have money, Jay. So that it can buy you comfort and all these other nice things, then you, that's not what God, that's not what God has for us. I'm honest with you, that's, that's not what God has for you. So that you can appear in a Forbes, a Forbes list or whatever, most highest earners and all of that. That is not spiritual. If God has called you to earn money, therefore that money must be a means to an end. Not an end of itself, end in, in of itself. That we do not hold on to it, that it shouldn't measure us, that we shouldn't, we shouldn't measure ourselves and our success and our worth, that we should be able to transcend that. Living a life of purpose. That's what it means to be faithful, to be stewards of what God has given us. So, let me use my phone. Because this is not going to help. So in Psalm, in, in, in verse uh, 27, this is like uh, verse 21, when Asaph is drawing to an end, he says, When my soul was embattled, when I was, uh, when I was pinched in my heart, I was, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast to you. Nevertheless, I am continuously with, uh, nevertheless, I am continuously with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And for, and, and afterwards you will receive me in, receive me to glory. Whom in heaven do I have but you? And either, and there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. When we stop looking at the world's measuring stick and we get into God's presence, ultimately our goals change and we're able to become faithful. I don't know if you've watched Marvel movies, but if you haven't, please watch them because the following will not make sense to you. At least up to like the first Captain America or the first uh, Avengers. Just, just there. Like in that whole entire series of movies, there's like different personalities. There's a spy who's like morally gray and there's a billionaire playboy ph- philanthropist who is just solves everything with money whose morals are very loose. And then there's this guy called a Captain America who's like old school. And out of all of them, he is the one with the strongest character. Regardless of any situation, he's the one who's most faithful to his beliefs. He's the one who's most faithful to what he stands for and to the, word, to the words that, he, that he's spoken. 
And I feel like God, that's what God wants for us. To be like that Captain America, that even when the world is like punching us down, that we pull up, we pull up our hands and we say, we can do this all day. Like, I can do this all day. Bring it on. God is calling us to that level of faithfulness. That we cannot be easily shaken, that we cannot easily be swayed because we know that whom do we have on earth but God. My flesh, my heart may fail, but God is my portion. All day, every day, I will stay here and be faithful. That we hold our ground and we stand firm. just want to double back to the other guy we spoke again at the beginning, uh, Habakkuk. So in Habakkuk's case, he has this conversation with God, then God responds to him, and he responds in Habakkuk 2. And God's response is, is this, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision and make it plain on a tablet, so he, I will, so, so he may run, I will, Lord Jesus, help my brain. <laughs> so he may run who reads it. For, for, for still the vision awaits for an appointed time. There's something very like, significant about this uh, portion of scripture and God's response. And he says, Habakkuk was crying and complaining about violence, about distress, about all this anguish and all of this. And God's response is this, write the vision and make it plain. For it awaits for an appointed time. God is not moved by what's happening in the world. He knows his ultimate end for the world. And his response to us is write the vision and make it plain. So whoever sees it runs with it. Why is that significance? Firstly, whatever you have called to do in life should be a godly vision, not your vision. And if it's a godly vision, then it should scare you. Then it should give you to a, get you to a point where you cry violence, oh Lord. This is not happening. This is not going on. To a point that you actually get to a point where you write it, make it plain, that whoever sees it may run with it. That whatever you're living for should not be like, it should end with you. It should carry on after you. It should transcend you. It should be multi-generational. Coldplay said, I'd rather be a comma than a full stop. Don't want to see another generation dropped. That we should strive to be that. That we, you know, even if you want to be great, if you want to be awesome in everything that God has called you to be, let your life be a comma, not a full stop. Let people look at you and say, wow, you know, he was really good at his job. But look at the people that have come after him. The generations that he has set up to succeed. Let us be generation shifters and changing spaces and be revolutionary in our approach that we like change shifting atmospheres and shifting places because of our faithfulness. And let us find other people around us that you can raise up to be like partner with you in what God has called you to be. If you are the only one, then you are going to burn out. You need people that are like-minded. You need people that are after the same thing. That are trying to see what you, that see what you want to see and want to achieve what you want to achieve. Because if you are surrounded by people that are naysayers, they don't see what you see, it's going to be a struggle. 
you are going to struggle, you're going to be like Eitengege, you know, you're pushing up against the wall. So surround yourself with the right people and get the right vision, the godly vision. Can we please stand as I close? God has called us to be the salt and light to this world. To be the difference, to be an example, to add flavor. We cannot do that if we're not faithful. We can't do that if we don't have credibility. I don't know where you're at this morning, but if, you want, if, if there's one thing I want you to take away from this, is I want you to be encouraged to go out and be faithful with what God has given you. If you're faithful with the little, He will make you a ruler of much. Faithfulness has a reward that God sees. Even when we feel like giving up, even when we feel like we're falling short or things are not going our way, God sees. God will honor you. Like even when other people don't acknowledge the things that you're doing for them or doing around them, God will honor you. Remember that we are living for the audience of one. And we're living for him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Not for the likes on Facebook. Not for the comments. Not for that word of appreciation. Those are nice. But they're not the ultimate goal. They're not the ultimate aim. That's not what we're searching for. I just want to pray for you as we close. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you then this morning, Lord Jesus, Lord God. Lord, we ask for Holy Spirit that you fill us up, Lord God. Change our perspective, Lord Jesus. God, give us a new set of eyes, Lord God, to see things like you do, Lord Jesus. Jesus, I pray that you help us to lift up our eyes, to look beyond our now, to look beyond our situation, look beyond what the world is calling us or what the world is saying, but let us fix our eyes on you, Lord God. Let us fix our eyes wholly on you, Jesus. Let our hearts be dependent on you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for refreshing rain, Lord God, on everyone that is fearing we that is feeling weary, that is feeling disheartened and feels like they can't do this anymore, that feels like it's not worth it, that is tempted and temptation is coming at them like a flood to just give up or try alternative things. I pray, Lord God, that you just show yourself strong in our lives, Lord God. Lord, give us faith, Lord God, to trust what you say, Lord Jesus, that you are good, Lord God, and that you are faithful, Lord Jesus. God, help us to be faithful, Lord God. Teach us how to love like you, to walk like you, Lord God, and to be faithful like you are, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord God. We worship you, Lord God. Refresh our hearts, Lord Jesus.
much, Paul. Yes, please. That was a powerful, powerful word. You know, when we were in worship earlier, um, I had a picture, and I was sitting on my favorite couch where that's where I have my times with God. That's you know, those are my intimate times. And then when I was sitting there, I was holding a thing. I have been trying to. Maybe someone will know what this is. It's like it's got a light inside, but then it's it's got glass on the outside. So the as the light is shining out of the thing, the 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 it's shining out onto the person and all around. So as I'm holding this, I'm holding it out, holding it out to God, and I'm giving it to Him. And I just felt the Lord saying that. Uh, he is restoring many of us in this place. That there are many who have been struggling with faithfulness and struggling with credibility and struggling with doing things, and they've just not known how to do it. And I really heard in my heart that as we hand over to Him, then He will be the one who helps you with it. He will be the one who helps you with that consistency. He will be the one who helps you with that faithfulness. But we need to, once again, behold Him. We need to be in that place of intimacy for Him to do it. And I just really sense that Father's heart today, just encouraging, just loving you, because you have been so hard on yourself. I just sense that there are many here who have been so hard on themselves, beating themselves down. And the way is not for you to judge yourself and to beat yourself down, but to give it all over to the Lord and allow Him to teach you how and allow Him to be the strength behind you. Because I sense that there's a lot of dreams, that there's a lot of gifts that God has given to many people here. But He does not want us to do it. Thank you for joining Church Online today. We hope that you were inspired and challenged by today's message. We would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and offering, please visit our website www.endurban.org to get our bank details and zapper code. Have a safe and blessed week.